everyone's got strong opinions when it comes to what they do and don't trust or what 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 they think is good work and bad work and it's very difficult to get over your heuristic opinions um if someone will tell you what they are um the you know the only thing is assuming the bias is somewhat consistent the only thing that's going to do is save you the trouble of having to wrangle with them if you know that you breathing in and out is going to piss them off Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo. I'm here with James Heathers from Cypher Skin. Now, James, th- this has been quite the week for Twitter takes, as, uh, as, as, as it almost always is. And one thing I want to start off the show with discussing is a, a recent thread from Tade Ray, who is the editor for Social and Behavioral Sciences at the Journal Science. And I sincerely apologize if I've mispronounced that name. Um, but he posted a thread on Twitter and it started off in reference to a blog post, which was highly read and highly shared related to a DARPA funded score project, which is looking at the, uh, the reliability of social science research. But the second tweet of his thread said, uh, and I quote, I've yet to see an open science leader really grapple with the conflict of interest implications that almost the entire movement is funded by one billionaire. Shameful hypocrisy, in my opinion. Now, in a later tweet, he conceded that he miscommunicated his message and that he knows that open science is international and it's got a long tradition well before John Arnold uh, got involved, but rather he was trying to make the point that uh, Arnold was the first person to provide big funding. So I don't want to talk about this idea that uh, open science is grassroots. We know this. I know that this was the source of a lot of rage on Twitter because a lot of people reading this uh, uh, do their open science after hours and not paid for it. That, that, that's for damn sure. Um, but, um, I, I want to talk about something a little bit, um, a little bit different. Before we get to that, what was your initial take around these, uh, these, uh, discussions on Twitter, James? Uh, well, I found it hard to get too upset about it. I mean, obviously the, the idea, only someone who'd spent many of their nights over a period of years working for nothing on something that I always thought was within the open science tent, it's, you know, it's overstated. And, you know, it's to Twitter. Someone someone went too far on Twitter. Yeah, okay. Well, it's very difficult to get too upset. Um, and, you know. People don't like seeing their work mischaracterized, especially if they're part of a global movement on something. Mm. Um, always found it very difficult to grapple with COI stuff in the US. How so? This is something that's been well. It's something that was on my mind, Dan, ever since I went to the I I I went to a, a peace summit thing. In the Raytheon Auditorium at my old university. Is that right? The Raytheon, <laughs> the Raytheon Auditorium. A peace summit. Look, man. Um, every national government, every interior piece of every national government is is some is some version of something that someone doesn't like, and obviously, elements of it are more militaristic and unpleasant than others. But you know, you 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 can go round and round the farm on that. You know, like who you taking money from the Department of Defense because they're concerned with something? Are you taking money from 
Ayapa, you're taking money from a private foundation, tobacco company, pharma. There's conflict of interest is really simple and generally like highly layered. Um, I've had some interesting experiences, which I, I can't talk about under um, NDA, but with people who you'd think were the bastions of great global evil um, who <laughs> wanted to have a conversation about how to be as honest as possible about something and not bullshit people because they were absolutely convinced that they were right in wanting to do an open science project. And I doubted their sincerity. Um, and it turns out they were extremely sincere the entire time about wanting to do things correct. And I'd also point everyone to there's a very interesting research on, um, I, I, I think it's on drug development where things that are developed internally at pharma companies have better long-term reliability than the academic allegedly unbiased research, which well, is there's mo- there's hilarious. There's money behind it. Of course, it's going to do better. <sighs> no, it's not that there's money behind it. It's that if you if you make a drug, eventually you have to market it and sell it and um, the, the, the tolerability of horrible failure um, – in academia as well, science is hard, but you know, within industry, your, your your failure eventually becomes someone else's marketing and sales budget and then, you know, billions of dollars of liability when the FDA says you killed all those people. So, it, it's it's all very sort of, um, it's a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing, but you're more interested in the perspective of like finding out the opinions behind the curtain, I take it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, one thing that um, that he raised in, uh, in in one of the tweets was this idea that typically editors or how editors think or how they work are behind black boxes. Um, we we did um, ha- have an episode with senior editor of Nature and Behavior, and they did an excellent uh, opinion piece, which actually laid out this is how we think and this is how we process our papers, and that kind of stuff is rare. Uh, what's also rare is actually hearing what editors think or how they how they're processing papers. And um, one thing that was raised was that typically only high profile professors or high profile professors tend to have access to editors and have these discussions. They're the ones who are chatting with them at conferences, uh, figuring yeah. out what sort of stuff they're interested in. Well, I'm on the same steering committee for the fucking left star chambers, bollocks, something, something. Yeah, they move in the same kind of circles a lot of the time. Um, and access traditionally has been privileged. So we're putting the idea that more people have access to what an editor actually thinks on, on a pedestal. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I, I'm interested to know what, look, everyone's got strong opinions when it comes to what they do and don't trust or what, 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 what they think is good work and bad work. And it's very difficult to get over your heuristic opinions. Um, if someone will tell you what they are. Um, the the only thing assuming the bias is somewhat consistent the only thing that's going to do is save you the trouble of having to wrangle with them if you know that you breathing in and out is going to piss them off Yeah, (laughs) we have this overlying perspective that there's some kind of fairness and objectivity that underlies everything within the academicals and (laughs) uh, academics jump between why isn't this fair and free and impartial to making their own fucked up biased decisions like f- freely and as often as humanly possible? 
It's it's all you know. The, the, my, my favorite conflict. Who was that? Who had a conflict of wrote a, a conflict of interest statement or a paper that basically said, "I get paid and I get to maintain my job if I publish stuff." Yeah, so that's I'm right. Like, I'm, that's I'm my incentivized conflict. to be correct. I was like, "Oh shit, man! That sounds like the biggest conflict of interest at all." If you've got a bad case of it, I mean, where the fuck do you think p hacking comes from in the first place? The desire to finesse something under the alleged rubric of discovery, rather than successfully having proved that you don't you you don't have a uh, a statement to make about with with any kind of certainty under the fucked up framework we use for evaluating that statistically. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't, to, to, to people like, was, was there some kind of, I didn't follow this carefully, man. Was there some kind of, was there some kind of thing where it was, it was like, oh, well, if you, if you think that, then tut, tut and fly to you, sir. Did that happen? Yeah. I mean, there, there were a few statements going, well, I'm not going to be, <laughs> I'm not going to be submitting my work to science. Good. Um, it just saved you a bunch of time. Yeah. He's like, oh, hey, look, hey, it, hey, it's me. I have a great big fat bag of biases and you're free to comment and make your own decisions about them. So if you hadn't known and you'd sent it anyway and then you'd waited three months to find out that <laughs> you, 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 you got the, you, you, you got a review back and it was like, well, it turns out we don't like your stuff. You looked at you go, oh my God, this review, it's biased. Now, it's it's between presumably an editor and the organization they work for with what they publicly and personally maintain as how, how biased they can be but think of think of any any field where there's strong parties of uh, where there's strong theoretical camps <laughs> You know, like try sending modern linguistic stuff to a really old school Chomsky journal. What do you think? They, do you Damn. think they're going to give it a fair and unbiased analysis? No, they're going to set it on fire, arrange the ashes into the shape <laughs> of a middle finger, and mail it back to you by sea mail. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, it's such a good point. It's there's there's so many overlapping layers of this that I mean, you, take you, you you can't get much past take your shots and get and you know get your chances a lot of the time. I I think it, I I rather like it when look to be quite honest I think everyone likes it a bit when someone who gets to make a decision about something goes well this is this is how I see it this is what I do it's like when a special issue comes out in a journal and they say we want exactly this stuff I mean if you don't have it you don't send it to them if you do have it you're like fucking a someone's taken specific serious interest in my topic and I'm going to send it straight away because I feel like I'll be heard correctly. I mean, where do those even come from in the first place? I mean, generally the foibles of the people who run the thing, Mm. you know? Unless it's frontiers, whether it's a revenue generating exercise, and they'll they'll let they'll let Barry the dog uh, run a special issue because it means that someone else will do the work of hoovering up eight to twelve article processing charges. Is there still legit frontiers subjournals? We always have. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. It's gone up and down. Yeah, I mean, everyone everyone does exactly the same thing. I mean, we've probably done it ourselves. Where you go. This entire journal group is fucked because I don't like this one thing that happened in this one journal. There's a million subsections. Mm. Um, I've said this several times on this podcast and elsewhere. I had really good experiences with Frontiers journals because I'm only submitting 
well, was submitting uh, with any seriousness to two sections where I had absolute faith that the editors wouldn't screw anything up. And they didn't. And they didn't. What, what the guy who was the, uh, the reason that, uh, my thesis was marked by, uh, one of the markers that it had is because the same dude was the editor at a Frontiers journal where mm. I sent my work initially. And that's, that's how we found that he was interested in it in the first place because he was super chill. But a lot of good feedback and like, you forgot this and what about this and take this and I'm like, this guy really knows his shit. You look up all his work and oh, okay. So yeah, it's still functioning at some kind of level, but like, do you think there's any shitty papers in PLOS one? Sure. You think there's any shitty papers in Nature Scientific Reports? Shitty, shitty papers everywhere. Right? Yeah. So it's again, you don't get to have a rule about what's garbage and what isn't when you're talking about monoliths. You only have individual circumstances. You know, do you or can you keep coming back to this? You know, think global, act local bullshit. Mm. You know. And we spin all that out. Everyone's very, oh, I support small community channels as much as possible. Huh? Then submit to them, dickhead. Well, mm. no, I'd lose some kind of comparative advantage. I don't yeah. want to. Yeah, yeah, it's always that. Um, yes, it's, it's just, you know. I, I had a- I, I'm, I'm, I have a strong undercurrent of negativity today, Dan, and I'm also very tired if it wasn't obvious. Well, <laughs> we're going to get to your. Uh, we're going to get to hear more of your opinions uh, later in the episode. But before we get oh, there, this, yeah, is, this are, is a follow up. We? This is a follow up from the last one. Uh, before we get to there, I had a really interesting reviewing experience. Uh, I recently submitted a review for, for eLife. Yeah. Did you ask for four hundred and fifty dollars? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I didn't do that because yeah. I, I agreed to I, I agreed to do this b- before your proposal came out, James. Um, oh, okay, but it didn't occur to you. That's fine. All right, so you're a dick or you're a dupe. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I see you've updated and, and put a, a working draft uh, contract, but we can get to that later. But I oh, the contract's really good now. That's really good. With with, with the help, yeah. some pro bono help for some for some actual lawyers, some superb lawyers. Who- volunteered their time immediately and then did a very good job of walking me through what I'd missed with the contract language. It was really great. Pre- yeah, we'll, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. And it's good to hear people are actually reading the show notes. I put a tweet out. Um, we, we put out a prize um, and someone got a free mug for actually reading the show notes. I put an Easter egg in the show notes saying that the first person that uh, tweets us that they're reading the show notes will get a mug. And within about 20 minutes after I released the episode, bam, I got the I first think, tweet. I think it was faster than that. Yeah, yeah. No, we did want to. We did want to know if people are reading the syllabus. <laughs> and pe- pe- people are reading the syllabus, and uh, people pe- were even saying, oh, "Are you thinking of removing the show notes? Don't do that." I actually read them. No, of course not. Not thinking of removing the show notes, but we we're thinking about how much effort because it takes time, and we we're thinking about the effort that goes into um uh, to to doing that. So I'm glad to hear that you read the show notes. But the reviewing experience mm. in eLife was. Very- I hope I hope people read the newsletter that I write for the Patreon because. I changed the format of it and it's really good now. So if you're not giving Dan money to keep all of this silliness together, you're you're missing out on the best idea I have every month. People are loving the newsletter. It's it's definitely look, it was it has been haphazard previously, for which I will apologize for now if I haven't previously, but um I got a lot better with it because I figured out exactly what I want it to do. So, 
Yeah, go and give down a dollar or you're missing out. <laughs> do, 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 dollar a month. Capitalist pig. <laughs> but, but back to this review process. This review process is a yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one was interesting because um, you write your review as per normal, but then after that it mm. goes into this, uh, this stage where you actually discuss your reviews both with the handling editor but also the other reviewers um, and you see all their responses. The review, the review editor looks at this going, okay, I've noticed that these are the common themes between this, uh, between all the reviews. One person said this. What do you all think? And collectively, you come to, or you collectively, you help the editor come to a decision. And what's also interesting about this is that your names by default, um, are revealed to the other reviewers. I think this is a really interesting compromise for, there's, there's always, always this debate. Should you sign your name with the reviews? Um, personally, mm. where I land on this is that if you have a permanent position, if you're tenured, yes, you should be signing your reviews. If you're not, then it should be up to you. Um, but anyway, uh, for this actual, um, for this journal, when you are submitting your review, you're told when you submit your review, your name will be revealed to the other reviewers. And I think, this obviously isn't as good as signing your review normally, but I think this does this go some way to actually improving the quality of your review because you know that other people in the field are going to be reading this and your name is attached to it. So, this doesn't actually reveal your name necessarily to the authors and publicly, but it does reveal your name to the other reviewers. And I, I like to think that I submit good quality reviews, but it did actually make me think twice uh, or it made me think a little bit more carefully about what I was saying, knowing that my name would be revealed. And when I actually saw the names of the other people, I'm like, oh, these are really senior people in my field. This is interesting. So, what do you think about this whole idea of- um, uh, Question to start with. Okay. E-Life is a journal in the life sciences. Mm. You don't know anything about the life sciences. <laughs> I don't know anything about the, the, the basic what life sciences. The, what was the broader topic? This- of- this was generally. You can just say the area. It was an. It was. It was a. It was an oxytocin paper. Yeah. Okay, so presumably some form of neurobiology. More on the biomarkers side of things. Oh wow! Yeah, so it was a very interesting paper. You're almost a biologist <laughs> now. All you need is one of those educations, and you'll be sorted. I'll, I'll be. So, what was the? What was the question? What do I think of this system? Yeah, this this idea that you you discuss the reviews, other reviewers, and that your name is revealed. Like, I, I think this is a good middle ground for improving the quality of reviews without necessarily having names released publicly or to the authors of the submitted for papers. For me, I can see people being very intimidated by how this works. I would have, I would have loved that at the time, because here's the thing. No one sees your good review, mm-hmm. the editor, and then they immediately forget it because they're already doing too much stuff. No one sees your good review. Someone else is looking into the process. At least someone somewhere is going to see that work you did. Now, it's obvious that journals don't want reviews to be open. I think eLife does, though. They, um, they ask you. General. No, they're open by default um, without, with or without your name. Yeah, right. Um, so the reviews are open, but they're, 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 they're unsigned. Oh, there's so many layers to this bullshit. <laughs> I, I love the fact that someone would have 
actually who wasn't an editor who'd read through 1200 words of references and barely concealed snark to just find out that, you know, and then write, this paper has significant problems and, and reject it. Um, I like the idea that someone else would actually see it and associate it with you like during the process, like you're all working together to improve something, presumably. That's kind of a nice idea. I can see a lot of people hating it, though. The As in the, the, the pressure or... No, it's just you have they've taken away your freedom to do a bad job. They've potentially exposed you in front of other people where you're supposed to like like show yourself um what you're doing. Some people are just intimidated by being in circumstances like that in the first place. A lot of people carry around a lot of anxiety when it comes to like will will I look silly in front of the big kids? Sure. And uh, it's People who don't experience it, who don't experience this, have a great deal of difficulty accepting the fact that it's real. But I mean, that's the same with my, anyone who need, just needs to kind of tune up on the old empathies. You know, really clever people find it really hard to misunderstand, uh, to to understand. I'm sorry, really stupid decisions. Um, you know. People who are, have tremendous congenital cowardice find it really difficult to understand like proper bravery. And people who don't have any anxiety find it really difficult to imagine how anxiety-provoking things can do their job on the people that they affect. It's interesting. Yeah. So a lot of people, a lot of people would I I I would have liked that just fine. But also, presumably, you would have known something. Like, you can ask someone cites something. Do you think it's directly relevant? You actually get to dig into it with them. Mm. Um, there's, some, there's, there's not a lot, especially if you're a, a, the, one of the junior academicals. A lot of the, the time, there's not a lot of forums where you get the really serious attention of someone who knows what they're talking about. And I think if one of the reviewers- You could potentially learn a great deal. Did you learn anything? Did anyone go, see here, Mr. Dr. Quintanazes, this is shite and you're an idiot. And presumably no one said that because you're <laughs> smarter they, they, than you look. They may, may have thought that. But look, I, I uh, one person said some- One of the reviewers said some really interesting stuff and, and I did actually learn a lot. Uh, so I think it is a, yeah, I, th- I think it's a really interesting way of doing things. And, and mm. w- what I like about this is if one reviewer completely misses the point and says, ah, th- th- this, this paper did X, Y, Z, and then the other reviewer can jump in, um, assuming there's no massive power imbalance going, well, mm. I, I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily correct. So look, I think there are other d- dynamics in play when it comes to the actual discussion, but hopefully the editor will, um, Rain things in if things get a bit too, bit too yeah. crazy. But it's, it's yeah, I, almost, I think it's interesting. Almost all review processes going wrong contain the phrase, hopefully the editor ellipsis. <laughs> um, that's how they almost all start, Dan. And I have a lot of sympathy for editors being busy and continually whipsawed between complicated topics. No. Having to adjudicate on things to get even woollier than do we take this or don't we? Um, there's so many ways to crack that nut. Basically, you know, it comes down to does it work? 
Does it work for the individual people who do it? Now, eLife's been around for a few years and there's a quite a vocal community of supporters within, uh, a, you know, life sciences and crossover uh, assorted topics. A lot of supporters. If it didn't work for them, I think they would have said something before 2020. Mm. Um, because presumably that's been how they've done it. They've been doing it for a while. I remember them having non-standard review processes, but not what they are from a while ago. Um, certainly all my friends who are within some flavor of biology somewhere, everyone is very positive still on that journal, mm. APC or no, uh, retractions or no, scandals and otherwise. Uh, the response has been quite uniformly positive. And everyone knows everyone knows what it is. I mean, it's really interesting that there are lots of new journal initiatives, and that's the one that I can think of where they click their fingers and instantly it became a thing. It was the founders and people behind it. Well, yeah, I would just say that. So that's a, if there's a model for starting something successfully, then I, I guess that's probably the best one I can think of just in terms of the results. And I can already hear, but they had a guy who started it was a fucking Nobel Prize winner. Huh? Well, get one of those, fuckhead. You know, that's there's maybe that's what of them it, around. <laughs> maybe that's what it takes. <laughs> um, the the guys who did hy the hypoxia research um, a few years ago, they got the Nobel Prize last year. Um, get them to start a journal. Yeah, all the yeah, get get them. I was <laughs> reading about them earlier today. Um, due to an unrelated matter, who was it? Kalen. It was Kalen, Physiology and Medicine Prize last year. Um, there's some other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just looked it up now. Here you go. Kalen, Ratcliffe, and Siemenza. I'm sure it's Semenza. Surely it's Semenza. Um, yeah. Physiology and like how oxygen levels in cells affect basic physiological shit. Um, but their discoveries and how cells sense and adapt to oxygen availability. Yeah, get those motherfuckers to start. E-Life 2, Return of the Openness. Because, you know, that work is super fucking important. I mean, I, I think that's um, – I think someone was complaining about it, but I, I, can't, I can't remember why. Um, I was under the impression it was super important. Oh, I never told you who Raytheon was. Defense contractor. Uh, the – Largest, I think, defense contractor in the United States, <laughs> now, <laughs> holding holding a holding a p uh, uh, naming the auditorium and having a peace summit. Um, they're in um, unless they've moved. They're always in um, Massachusetts for years and years and years. Um, I got tens of thousands of employees, and you know they build missiles and shit. Um, you know, the ones that are on the, um, the fighter pilot plane, those chappies, yeah. um, what is it? Fucking Hellfire, Tomahawk, one of those. They make them. One of, one of those things that already, it sounds angry before you even shoot it at someone. Um, yeah. Yeah. They named the auditorium and, um, then they had a peace talk in it. Well, we're going to move on. <laughs> God, look, that kind of that kind of dumb ironic bullshit is layered through all, all of all of this. this. Is what happens when you ask people for money, you know? 
and your revenue generating opportunities or anyone will give you the money. People with agendas turn up and that includes whole governments and whole departments and fucking everyone else. I don't know, man. I don't have a really strong opinion on all that stuff. I know. What? You don't have a strong opinion? Yeah, more or less. More or less. Did you know that our Everything Hurts patrons can get access to a library of 20 bonus episodes? Well, you do now. We release a bonus episode every month to our $5 a month patrons who also get a lifetime 20% discount on Hurch merchandise. We also have a $1 per month tier, which gives you access to a monthly newsletter, the merch discount, and the occasional bonus episode. If you want to support the show but can't swing the Patreon money, you can share a review or post about the show on social media instead, as we'd love that as well. Now, let's get back to the show. Last episode, I put forward three proposals for uh, meta-science projects that should get funded. Uh, one of them- what, what, were they, what were they again? One of them was this idea that we should really evaluate whether um, the um, redefine st- statistical significance folks have actually um, taken their own advice. Um, and you said that yeah, someone's done I, that. I, I, I said, I said, I said someone was having a go at that. You said someone. You, no, no. You said someone's published something. Uh, as it turns out, no one oh, has so published something. It's, oh, you, so there's someone. Someone's just working on it. Yeah. So somebody on Twitter got in contact. A, a Polish duo is is yes. and uh, is, is working on this, and they said yeah, that they have a preprint yeah, yeah, yeah. which should be coming out in the next week or two. And they specifically really reevaluated. Uh, and they also looked at. I believe they said they also looked at. Okay, the, Dan. So not only does the project exist, and they did it, and they turned it into a manuscript. But I'm wrong because it hasn't explicitly been published. Yeah. How, how, how will we know about oh, this? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> okay. So, but hey, but for the purposes of, 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 of grant um, evaluation, the, the grant evaluator, which was you, um, didn't, didn't know about its, its existence. So, there you go. Um, yeah, what, what NC. Um, oh, what, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Wait till that comes took up. You, but, took you days to find that shit. Go fuck yourself. The, the, the second... The, uh, the the next one was this idea that we should randomize um, whether people on assessment panels get paid a lot of money and whether that's actually going to lead to better quality outcomes because the mm-hmm. thing stopping us the thing stopping us from uh, it's a very long term project Daniel that's fine I'm, randomizing I want long term well, you got you got a million dollars so yeah million dollars can do it and the mm-hmm. other one was um, a tool. Which can't, which can extract the corresponding authors from, uh, from the papers of reference lists. So you can actually, um, get their details. So you can ask them for advice and potentially find reviewers. And a lot of people on Twitter seem to like that one. Um, I actually, no, James, we got an email from mm. the person. Cause I also mentioned a tool which, um, uh, a paper which looked at 30 million acronyms and the fact that only, um, that only like, the, the, the top hundred have been used more than 10 times. And the author of that preprint emailed me or emailed us. I think it was me or maybe the both of us. Um, it's saying he really liked the ideas. There, there you go. One person 30 liked it. Million? 30, 30 million, um, no, 30 million papers and 10 million acronyms. Fuck. And off. what field did that cover? Everything. PubMed, whatever PubMed is. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I was thinking, like, is there specific research on acronyms? Honestly, that's way more than I thought that'd be. Yeah. 
and only like a hundred had been oh. used like commonly. And like, there was a top twenty that you know oh, it's the fMRI. That's fine. Okay, I think I said might have said that 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 felt trivial to me. But if there's thirty million papers with ten million acronyms, I'm starting to reevaluate that opinion a bit. I believe it was acronyms in the title of the abstract. Oh, imagine the mess! Wow. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll link to that in case I got the numbers wrong, but it was something along those no, lines. No, no, let's, let's have a look at how it works. Okay, so your first project idea has been presupposed. Your second project idea has been somewhat presupposed. I guarantee mine haven't been presupposed. All right, well, let's have them. Number one. Okay. So, let's start with a kind of mental space for spending our million dollars. Spending it on a project is fun. But the one thing that we don't get to do a lot of the time is randomize career kinds of decisions. Those aren't competitive funding environment things. A lot of the time they're government department or structural funding environment things. So, here's my first proposal. We pick a country that has the same PhD system. So, um, some places in Europe, um, Australian ones are pretty good, honestly. So, none of this five-year bullshit, six-year, seven-year PhD bullshit with three years worth of coursework yeah, crazy. that you immediately forget about. Fucking stupid. Um, Denmark. Yeah, perfect. So, Denmark. So, um, it would also have to be somewhere where funding was quite competitive, so- Maybe you could do Everywhere. it in Sam. Maybe, maybe you could do it in Sam Town, but it would have to kick in after the coursework starts. So here's what you do: you use this money to fully fund and properly salary grad students, rent, not living off ramen, comfortable life, few bucks in the bank, kind of like good, yeah, good salary support under the condition. That one, they know that their progress and their work and their career is being studied over time. And number two, on the condition that they publish formally nothing. They can write write anything they want. And obviously, you want to pick killers for this because this is going to be a pretty sweet gig. None of this 35K a year crap. We're going to pay these people... Like the senior postdocs at a minimum, and comp all their fucking all this silliness about university fees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they are not allowed to publish anything. No posters, no conference presentation pre-prints. things. Def- definitely no papers, no preprints, no publication. Thing. Nothing. So you can you can write anything you want. You can build any resource that you want. Any piece of software. Anything like even a preprint, I would frown upon because we just want it to be like information that's that's open somewhere. Stick it on a website, do whatever the fuck you want, but no publications. Your need to be able to produce publications is removed. If you publish anything, you lose your money. I want to see what would happen. Two things. One. If you made the decision that you were completely free of having to go through this fucking rigmarole 
how would you strategize? How would you plan your time? We're not picking people who are going to do nothing and are just going to have to have a holiday with books for three years or whatever. I wonder if the community resource development and sort of networking aspect of a PhD would be like the place where you'd spend your time. I wonder if resources for the general community would mean that you met lots and lots and lots and lots of people and became like really super fucking employable. If you wrote a huge software package uh, over the course of a PhD and then you released it and it helped a lot of people, are you employable? I fucking think so. I think you're employable not only within formal academic research, but much more so on the other side of it. I think you really are. But likewise, if you build a public resource, are you more or less employable? I want to see what happens when you take really good people and you pay them really well and you take away the need to publish anything. In fact, you deliberately forbid it. Okay. That's my first idea. Let's put aside ethics. Because I don't think any IRB would necessarily approve this, and I'm not sure how many people what, would. Why put- not? What? Hang on. Did, 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 did you say you were randomising people, or you were actually choosing people? Or people put it, put their hand up to do this. Dude, people are putting their hand up to do it. Then this would be the best supported graduate student. So this would be the best available graduate student support that you could imagine, certainly in this country. But you would attract a certain type of student who. I would find it very I find it very hard to believe that you would mm. recruit someone who wants to continue in academia. So Some, what? So you what, what is the biggest so so if you're trying to say okay let, let, let's restructure how we do PhDs and if we're structuring it to make it better for people no, you don't want to re- I don't want to restructure the whole thing. I want I want a social experiment when the people who are involved have the, the the normative pressure of what they have to do completely removed and can spend their entire time finding shit out and helping people. I not having to worry about a goddamn thing. I like the idea of software development. Um and I think certain departments you'd be very employable, but I think you would be actually constraining the types of places. Look, uh, uh, my mind is a bit warped because my mind is thinking, what about your employment prospects? And I know that's not everything, but for a lot of people that is. But I do like the so idea- different people would apply. Dan, what do you think happens when- Do you honestly think that if you spent three years developing uh, community knowledge- and you were well supported, you didn't have anything to worry about. And it was also quite visible because this is obviously part of a study. The people wouldn't know who you were. If this was heavily promoted, yes. But you-, you Yeah, you, which, you, doesn't, which doesn't make it a normative experience yeah, at all. Yeah. Obviously, I accept that. I like the- But also, no one's ever floated any kind of test balloon of like, what if you put all, pass out all the bullshit? There's a thing a couple of weeks ago, someone was saying, we got an application to, from someone to be a grad student here, and I'm looking at their research record, and to be quite honest, it's much better than mine was when I went out for tenure. But- like, what the fuck are we doing to people? That, that, that- you know, you know, I like strong counter arguments to stuff and pushing back very hard against things that I think are bullshit. Well, here's one way to push back against something that is trending towards the bullshit um, <laughs> by by explicitly helping some of the people who are involved in it. I do like the general concept, but I think the 
the fame around this person that, that got the, the Heather's Person, grant. persons. Persons. So, if, if, you're, if you're a Heather's grantee, then the notoriety from being a Heather's grantee would confound the actual results of, oh, look, th- this person got a job. Of course, this person got a job because they're, they're, they're a Heather's grantee and their whole shtick is doing this. But so, I think the, the actual results aren't, won't necessarily be interesting, but the concept is very interesting. I do, I do like the concept, but I'm not sure. Well, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. You're already, you're already saying what the outcome is before you've, you've actually done it. Okay, so, you know? so the, okay. you're making, you're making, you're making a very strong prediction there. That the only value that will come of this is some kind of publicity stunt with the books. No, no, no I'm not saying it's publicity stunt, yeah. but I'm saying that if you say at the end, look, this person got a position because they were very well connected or they were doing interesting stuff. Um, it wasn't because they were focusing on stuff. It was because they were part of the grant program. I don't know. I, I do like the overall idea though, but I'm not sure the execution is. So, I okay, but it, it's original. And um, of, course it, of course it's original. I'm fucking great. <laughs> okay. Give us, give us number two. That, that was a old start. But give us number two. Okay. This one's a lot easier to explain. I want to open. I want to open for a brief period of time the Samaritans for academia. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. I'm going to pick three months, get a massive publicity, whatever, and then VoIP, phone, email, uh video conference, whatever, for three months, no matter what's going wrong in your environment, uh, abusive co-worker, terrible supervisor, bad conditions, uh, some kind of dumb fuckery, anything, anything can be reported completely anonymously to uh, someone who has global reach. The language barrier is hard here, but... There may well be a way around it, depends how much interest you get. You do a colossal publicity push and you just say, you know what? Send us anything you've got. You're under pressure to p-hack. You've got a colleague who's a shitty researcher and is trying to hide it. Um, Did you you witness something? Were you you beat up at work? Anything. I want to just, with the broadest possible application. Open a huge door for people to walk through for a period of time and see what comes through. Do you and put it all to put it all together under a qualitative framework to say if people are allowed to, without consequences or context or judgment, report anything that goes wrong at a university in any capacity, here it is. So do you envision this as um, – I, I don't know whether you know this, James, but, but back when I was an undergrad, I worked for, 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 for Lifeline or volunteered for Lifeline, which is a, a, a volunteer uh, telephone service in, in Australia. 
and the um, so any, any, anyone can call, can call for any reason. Um, we, we got a whole range of calls from um, you know um, I've been feeling really anxious for the past week. My cat died. To I'm feeling suicidal. A whole bunch of stuff. But mainly, oh. the whole point of the line was for just to be someone to so so you can have someone that that can listen to you. We almost oh. never provided advice unless unless there was a life threatening situation. Um, we provided resources if people asked for it, but we never provided advice. We're basically an ear. Is that how you see this, or do you see this as um, an organization which actually provides advice and forwards mm-hmm. forwards information mm-hmm. onto authorities? How do it's you see too, this? It's too it's too hard. You can't put yourself as an intermediate in a process like that. And also, presumably, you had a a thing where if someone was imminently in danger of harming themselves or others, you were allowed to call emergency services or something. Yes, it would be very similar to that. Because I want to see the the undercurrent of all this fuckery that is hidden, that we know is there because the cup boils over from time to time. I want to see how it's structured. I want to see how many calls, emails, whatever, turn up about different topics, about what concerns people. Okay, okay. Because this, I was thinking about this recently in the context of I mean, people are there, there are tiers of things that are published. Some very good papers in good journals, some very middling papers in middling journals, and a whole lot of ones that are just miles of us. Now, we almost invariably in discussions about ethics and various aspects of research, Tom Fuckery are talking about the good journals that we're all familiar with. There are a fucking million tiny journals. I mean, a lot of them are in difficult circumstances doing their best, but a lot of them are publishing shit mm. all the time. But no one reads that stuff. It's A lot of the publications that are there are designed to exist for the benefit of the authors. They're not really designed to be read and cited. They're just designed to be there and people are like, oh, yeah, okay, they just sort of wave it in. There's a huge unexamined rump of research of little consequence. And that's not a value judgment. I'm talking about look at what happened to it five years ago. Go and fucking look at like how much it was cited and where it was. There's things that people pay attention to and things that don't. Now, obviously, that's filtered through a colossal amount of biases, not the least of which is the fucking English language. But if you have a thriving uh, single language uh, journal and no one else who speaks that fucking language is citing it either, uh <laughs> you know, let's say something's just in Farsi and there's other Farsi-speaking journals and they don't fucking cite those papers either, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so is the research any good? Well, some, no one's, if some people are reading it, there's no indication. There's no indication of that, even if they're researching the same kind of topics. Now, this sort of unexamined body of work, and that is across all languages, this unexamined body of work, I think, honestly, there's an unexamined body of fuckery. I think if you if you did this and it was compelling and decent and private enough, the amount of shit that people would tell you would give you a very different perspective on sort of human nature and how it crosses crosses over with the, the kind of global endeavor of research. A lot of people are full of shit. Some people should be in jail or just kicked down the stairs. 
you, you, it, it's one thing to put yourself on a pedestal for, you know, being fair and everything being managed properly and having a meritocracy and then just the persistent refusal to examine the fuckery that would go against that narrative. That's bullshit. I want a huge megaphone put up to the lips of everyone experiencing every kind of fuckery. Now, this isn't a very well-formed idea. I just want to hear what happens when those people, and I know who the fuck they are, some of them, and there's a horde of them I'll never meet. I want to know what they'd say if they felt safe to talk. This is interesting proposal because I would be genuinely curious to actually figure out because um, we have a general idea of what's going on, but is mm. is our idea or our conception of what's going on actually a true re- representation of what's happening out there? This sort of service, we would get help get to the bottom of that. I wonder about the- Well, maybe it's just a persistent opportunity to make myself more cynical. I don't know. <laughs> that, that would definitely happen, but I wonder about the- um, the obligations for reporting. Um, some stuff would undoubtedly come up. My PI is blowing our grant money on blowing hookers. And yeah, like that. Where was he from? The guy from Philly? Yeah, yeah. He, he, someone actually oh, did that, and shit. and he got in a lot of trouble for for, 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 good, for good reason. <laughs> yes, for good reason. Did. And there, there was a bloke. There was a, there was a bloke locally who um who who spent a ungodly amount of money on taxis. Um, th- this kind of stuff. Yeah, the taxi guy. The taxi that guy. Was a weird one. Of all the things, seriously. I mean, have the decency to buy a gold toilet or something. Old mate. Old mate just needed to get around. So, so that 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 so there's that. Why didn't? Wouldn't it have been cheaper if he just spent less of the money on a car? Or maybe that wouldn't have been flagged. No, no, no. His, 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 his argument was <laughs> his argument was that he was doing work in the back of the taxi. So that that one that that was his argument as to why he did it, and two that that's that, that was his argument why he thought he was okay to bill it to the university because because it was a work trip. But then didn't he didn't he spend like a six figure sum of money on taxis or something? Yeah, so it, it was it was basically how he commuted. But anyway, that, that where that, did he where did he drive? It was just it, Russia. No, it was just, just from from his house to to, to meetings around. <laughs> it was all local, mate. Wow, I think maybe the the endearing lesson there is that Norwegian taxis are expensive. Oh, they are so <laughs> they 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 are ridiculously expensive. The only time I catch it. Catch them oh, is really? like is like if it's like a, like a work thing to sort of get get from A to B, but it's yeah they're so expensive. But anyway, w- one thing comes to mind is reporting obligations because you you would get some you would get some nasty stuff there, um, mm-hmm. uh, like criminal stuff that that would absolutely happen. Um, who who yeah, who, who, is, who are manning the law? If you go multi if you go multi country, um, that becomes very difficult. And who do you report what to? Every country has their own things. Who who, who are going to be uh, the people every behind? country has different re- reporting requirements. I mean, if you heard about things that were out and out fraud somewhere, you presumably you're compelled to um, say something. You're compelled to. I, I'm 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 not. I mean, maybe it depends on the context. Um, you don't want to make your um. Your paid volunteers are accessories after the fact. <laughs> who who do you see Probably volunteering the, the phone lines or the Skype lines? What sort of are we talking other people? Volunteering? I didn't say anything volunteering. Paying. What do you think we're spending the money on, Dan? We're paying people. Who, who, who's doing this? PhD students? People who want the fucking work. No. Who are academic adjacent. Okay. There's a fucking million people in this sort of adjunct post-masters 
didn't get into the PhD because I can't get a visa because of the plague fucking space who are already a little bit disjointed and cynical about how all of this works. So, you know, no one's going to do this for fucking charity. Sure. It's, 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 it's actively unpleasant. I mean, drone operators get PTSD for Christ's sake. Even like the, just being what? Even the Facebook folks, the Facebook moderators, are, you, there are horrible stories of the people. Oh yeah, but that's sorry, that's 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 even worse because that's um, like the amount of it is continuous and a lot of it is in HDF. I'm saying that people who look at grainy, shitty satellite videos of missiles that they dropped on other people, just knowing that it happened is sufficient to uh, traumatize them very serious absolutely so yeah you know some of the we've got a lot of money here we're only paying a few dozen people then presumably that can also stretch to taking care of their mental health and making sure they know what they're getting themselves into because yeah look these jobs do exist in other places it's not like they can't be deployed responsibly. They have to exist in other contexts. And look, yeah? this this would be a just this would this would be a forget about the research questions. It would be a great service to the community as well. Imagine if people had a place where they could actually call and talk to someone because a lot of people can't talk to people in their own departments. The amount of stories I've heard mm. is I told this person I confided in this person. PI is 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 is, is doing dodgy stuff only for the PI to find out. Yeah. Like mm. it happens so often when you actually talk within your own departments for for the whispers yeah. for the whispers to get back. But if you have this independent, just outside of the institution, um, outside the, it could be outside the country, outside man. the country, I mean, sure. outside the institution, outside the city, state, country. Yeah, and you know, I have to spend a lot of that money on network security too, because um, as seriously private information, you need to set up some pretty heavy duty comms to. Make sure you kept people safe. Anyway, okay. that's a that's a that's a good idea. That's an interesting one. All right, let's go to idea number three. Um, I want to use it as this is. Does it have to be a medicine? No, no, no. no. Whatever, whatever you want. Okay, because you went going sort of meta scientific ideas, and I thought that was the theme. Um, I want to start a. I want to use this as seed money to start a not-for-profit cooperative or employee-owned hardware company for doing science. Sensor development, device design, um, accompanying software and processing, whatever. Everything based on open source, but like physical things that you can buy. People give away time. A lot of the time people give away code, they give away software, they give away knowledge. A lot of the time they don't give away physical shit. That doesn't really happen. So the thing is that, I mean, and I've discovered this more and more as I work for a company that builds stuff. There is a huge fucking uh, value added component to building stuff for money. Because it's got all your dev rolled up into the cost of whatever you end up selling, or whatever you think a market can support. If you're making scientific equipment, um, or anything that uh, that's related to it, so I mean, even something as simple as electrodes. You pick one manufacturer, you do a run of a million, you sell them to people as close as you can possibly get to cost. 
Now, I don't know if you can make and sell stuff as a non-profit. It depends on the country, probably. But having a cooperative or an employee-owned company that did that, are you like literally sucking the cost out of everything all at the same time? You know? Only caveat being you're only allowed to buy it if you're from a not-for-profit institution. Okay. Well, actually, that doesn't, that's a little bit unfair to people who work for for profit universities. But I mean, a lot of them make profit and public private distinction and the profit and non profit distinction are a bit muddy sometimes with research institutes, shit like that. I'd say only for academic research. So you start off with small things, um, peripherals, um, even shit like, like, like I said, cabling, electrodes. Fucking make your own generic 1020 gel. Supply these things for what they cost to make. Be a massive service to the community. And then start, yeah, and then start working your way up through, start working your way up through various hardware platforms that people could conceivably use. Fucking build your own open source Langentorf apparatus. <laughs> start get, start, start getting into, start getting into microscopy. Uh, start getting into the various million fucking ways you can use something like a laser infratometer or a near-infrared spectroscopy. This actually reminds me of PsychoPi, which is open source and, yeah. and free software um, yeah. for presenting experimental stimuli. And this yeah. could only happen, uh, I think originally it was started in someone's free time, but now it's being supported by funding. And this is a competitor because the software for doing this, I think E-Prime is probably the most popular commercial software. It's not cheap and it can get, it's out no, of the hands of a lot of not. people. But the only way you can actually do competitive and support software is by funding it. And E-Prime is now getting a lot of, I'm not sure how much, but is getting support to do this. Um, that, that's a good example. A second example. Sorry. E Prime is getting support. To no, no, no. E, no, e Prime is the competitor. PsychoPi is getting yeah, support. Psychopi no, is yeah, PsychoPi is getting support right. to do this. Uh, it's from the the the, the English chap. English chap. Uh, a good example yeah. of hardware. A paper came out two days ago, which um, came up with a mobile eye tracking software. Yeah, eye tracking devices, bloody expensive. Yeah. They are really expensive, and I actually saw someone mention that the uh, the hardware and the software, the hardware for eye trackers for science are almost exactly the same as eye trackers for gaming. But these gaming eye trackers are about a tenth of the price, and the research eye trackers are ridiculously expensive. So this these particular folks got together, and they uh, put together a mobile eye tracker, and the accuracy was as good as a product which was a hundred times the price. When it came to eye tracking, yeah. See, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I mean, that's driven by it's a markety driveny kind of thing. It's obviously there's crossovers for being able to do that, but this is for research hardware. It's a company that serves the research community, mm. right? That's the mission. That's the focus. And obviously, like money has to change hands. Things need to be bought, um, and and soldering shit isn't free, you know. But doing a cost price. Selling a cost price. That well, is. as cl- as close as you can get to that, while still while still maintaining where you are. That's why you need a million dollars to start, even if you're only doing bullshit. But the other thing is, Dan, is you've got to understand there's economies of scale that kick in for something like this hugely. You know, 
If you want, trust me, the difference between having 10 and 10,000 circuit boards printed as like one versus one versus the other. Or per unit. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, yeah, that's the whole point. But someone's got to be able to absorb that cost up front and make it available to everyone and then fucking do things like shipping and returns and QA. You can't do all that for free. I think- You can't. You have to fucking pay engineers. So, some some ability somewhere to get yourself to being able to persistently manufacturing the things that people- know. I'm sure everyone's got their own idea about consumables. You, you know, you want to get into the, the, the biological end of that? I mean, shit. Uh, you want to start making your own fucking antibodies? Um, you want to start making your own reagents? It's probably going to be really expensive and really difficult. That might be hard. But a lot of other stuff is a lot easier. Yeah, biosignal and, stuff. Sure. Um, well, though, that's one small piece of it. But a lot of, a lot of physiology experimentation stuff as well. And, um, yeah, look, anything that's, um, that's reasonably complicated. So it's because there's, look, there's, there's small companies that do stuff like this. But, they have to, I don't know, you could argue that they're doing their best. I mean, OpenBCI comes to mind as a company that I really like that doesn't charge a lot of money for hardware. But they don't have, they have a focus on like building singular cool things that everybody needs. I'm talking about like really basic, fucking heavily commoditized shit that everybody needs. Try to save everyone as much money as possible. Through the expedient process of being able to fucking dominate the market by <laughs> selling things to thirty percent less than everyone else in perpetuity and forever to research institutions. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm going to rank your proposals now. But you need a lot of money to start some cockamamie idea like that. Yeah, one one to two mil. Re- it's um well yeah I mean and even that's not going to get you very far to be honest I mean seed seed money. You- um, yeah, pretty much. Um, it all depends on what you're going to develop. I mean, so something like this, an idea like this needs to be very seriously fleshed out. You need to start by looking at exactly where people are getting gouged and going very <laughs> explicit. No, there's going to be places where it's, it's, some things are worse than others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And going very, very explicitly for being able to reproduce something where you're not going to get into any intellectual property trouble, where you're going to be able to knock these things out like fucking candy. Um, what about a fully interoperable, uh, open source, uh, mains power driven ECG? Love for it. For a hundred bucks. So much demand. hundred dollars. So much demand for that. Lab, yeah, lab so, demonstrations, I mean, all research. Med, lab, lab stuff, um, bio stuff, med stuff, nursing stuff. Training, um, I'd, some I'd PT buy it. and OT. Uh, yeah, a lot of exercise science stuff, kinesiology sometimes. Um, now, let me tell you, that's fucking totally doable. I even know how I do that. Yeah? 100 bucks. I know how I do that, but you, the manufacturing run that you'd need to do to be able to stick that together is like the amount of money that you'd have to pay up front to get that together is fucking eye-watering. You'd need more support in the meantime for something like that. So, look, there's there's a margin to operate there. And also, no 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 consumer sales. Yeah. 
I know that's like that's an insane thing to say. But, could, but could, couldn't that um, couldn't that sort of support the whole research side of things? Mm, Bio, biohackers, mate, that market, the biohackers. There's about twelve of them, Dan. That's not a proper market. I, I, I think there would be demand for like that. old old people, pensioners. That's a proper market. Um, you know, everyone getting uh, everyone getting pharmacotherapy for a heart condition. That's a proper market. That would work well. Bio biohackers is twelve weirdos in a room. Now, <laughs> I like those weirdos. They're my friends, but let's let's be honest. There are twelve of them. Okay. Comparatively versus other stuff. So I know this is completely different to the other two, no. but something that's been on my mind for a while is the fact that you can't you can't hack your way together through hardware development. It's the one like I said, it's the one thing a lot of the time that you can't do. You can't go out and produce your own uh peripheral stuff. I mean like like even things like glass probes, fucking uh, there's going to be a lot of things that you can manufacture for a lot less money than would be implied by the sale price that researchers would instantly buy and be very happy to buy because it meant they weren't getting fucked over by whoever was charging them too much in the first place. But you need the right kind of governance structure and the right amount of money to be able to do that from scratch. Hardware is expensive and annoying, and I should know because I build it now. All right. I'm going to rank your proposals. Uh, okay. Your your first one, which was um, getting people, finding them to do nothing during their PhDs, I think that is the most theoretical- do nothing. To, to publish, publish nothing, nothing. To publish nothing. Yeah. Fucking verbs count, Daniel. To publish nothing during their PhDs, I think theoretically that, that's the most interesting um, because it really hits at what, what, what is the purpose of a PhD program. So, I like it from that, that aspect. Your second concept of putting up a, a helpline where people can call up and talk about all the fuckery that goes on in academia, I think that would actually have the broadest, the broadest impact in the sense of this is actually going to help people. But it's also interesting, not not necessarily as interesting as the first one, but it's also interesting to actually find out what people, um, what people are experiencing. But that's going to have the broadest impact, so to speak. Um, but I think when it comes to what's going to have the biggest research Im- uh, impact, I actually like your last idea the best because I think if you could actually put together affordable peripherals, affordable hardware and, and affordable software, um, that's going to spur- No, not software. Sorry, hardware. If you're going to put together affordable- not ha- software. If you're going to put together affordable um, hardware, that is actually going to put- um, that hardware in the hands of more researchers and that's going to produce much more research that wouldn't have existed that otherwise because this stuff is really, really expensive. And if you can do it cost price, then it's going to be much more affordable for a whole bunch of people. And I actually think it's the most feasible as well. You put together one, $2 million for a seed grant, get the manufacturing run. That's going to happen. The other two ones, there's a whole bunch of problems um, when it comes to, to, to practicalities and to ethics. So, uh, if I- So, hang on. So, you think, you think the mass manufacture of reliable scientific hardware is the easy one? And giving people money to do their jobs is the hard one. Easy. <laughs> you just said hardware. You said a hardware company is the easiest option. You are an odd man. I <laughs> easiest as in all of these. All of these. Dan, when we're being asked to speculate here. This was. I think this was my idea originally. All of these are wildly ambitious. Mm. 
none of them are easy. Hmm. I like the last one the best. I think I think that's going to have. I know you've been hosed too many times by like someone who's oh. sold you a tube of gel for forty dollars. Yeah, seriously, I get, get, getting <laughs> getting quotes like this. This I, I'm actually in, I actually am sort of half in the market for an eye tracker. So seeing this research that it, it's a hundredth of the cost of normal eye trackers, I'm like, hello. I um yeah, I think I think that's really interesting. Yeah, well. There's look, there's the whole lot of complications. Let me run you through briefly. Oh no, we've gone over time, but fuck it. Let me run you through briefly some of the interesting complications that come up at the end there. First of all, research devices aren't cleared to be able to be used medically. So that's not That's not the intention. They shouldn't be they shouldn't be because they haven't been. I mean, there's various things that you have to get. Here it would be the um uh the uh various ISO um, compliance, uh, Europe, CE mark, um, FCC certification if it's got radios, um, but it's not going through anything uh, FDA-ish. So you can't use it to do – there's no persistent ability to use it to do healthcare unless it's actually registered as a medical device. That's a whole um, can of worms, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's a lot of things that hang off the side of that. It's why the even incredibly accurate research equipment that you know works beautifully and is extremely safe and hyper accurate and very easy to use. That's why it said, this is not a medical device. Um, because like, they've, uh, that's, that's just not within their business model. It's fucking hard to get things to, it, it's, it's expensive and it takes ages. I mean, the main problem for business these days when it comes to that shit is that it takes ages. Markets are fast. Government departments are slow. Um, so, um, I mean, that's, that's a complication. Um, you also, like when you scale manufacture something, you have to be incredibly certain that it's going to be correct before you start. And there are a whole variety of complications taking something from a, uh, you know, one thing that's sitting on a desk that you stuck together yourself all the way through to, uh, 10,000 things that are coming off a line in uh, Shenzhen or Hanoi or wherever, or someone who's um, building it for you on contract. Um, yeah, there's a, whole, there's a whole world of hurt waiting for people who don't know how to navigate it within a space like that. Um, also, how the support works, how that's structured after you've done it. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're important. introducing a lot of people who've never used it before into, like, how you do it. It needs to be sewn into education materials. Um, it needs to have a lot of instructional capacity. Um, a lot of people have to write a lot of code to be able to make anything that comes out of any given device um, usable in the first place. You're just dumping binary files on people who are like, oh, I've got a machine that goes beep. And you're like, oh, here's a big binary full of data. They're like, this hurts my feelings. Um, and you know, they're right. Uh, you have hurt their feelings. That shit is hard. So, ah, uh, there's so much more, but never mind. It's really, it's, it's, it's really difficult. I don't know how workable it is, honestly. It's just the fact that I, I love, I love the idea that there is sort of rent seeking within this space because it's really difficult to get started in but if you had the ability to get started in it the amount of headaches that you'd cause for people who feel like they're entitled yeah, to that's why that's why essentially like knock on government money is but you know i like causing trouble daniel so obviously that's why i like it too 
There's got to be good targets. Anyone who writes to us who says, why the fuck does device A or cable B cost as much as C? This shit is confusing to me. I want to hear those stories if they're out there. Who's getting gouged on something? On you know? Park Trackers. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you said that one. Anything else, yeah. Hertz Nation? Let us know. Anything else you've got? Yeah, this will be, be pretty fucking interesting. Because we- Who's getting gouged? We, we work within biosignals, so we know this kind of stuff, but I'd be curious to find out what, what sort of the areas where people are getting- uh, I mean, not, 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 not to mention the people who are actually charging money for, for, for using questionnaires. Mm. That's, a whole, that's a whole different thing. But we have run out of time. Thanks for listening. Ah, this- fuck it. Actually, you've come up. That's not a, that's not a bad idea. There yourself. What? You're going to pay a whole bunch of people to answer the goddamn things, but I mean, market, market researchy kind of shit. Um, Validate your questions. Yourself a, yeah, and get yourself a much, much better factor analytic validation of questionnaires. Give them away for nothing. Yeah. You know? Unless you the idea that these, like, oh, we want $80 for you to ask people questions once. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Fuck your questionnaire. Jump in a bin and live there. No one cares. I hope everyone rips them off from now until the end of time. That always struck me as like taking a research instrument like that and then being able to protect it for some reason just because you were the one person who knew how Verimax rotation worked in 1975. (laughs) It's it's mad as people go, yeah. This was my intellectual property, and I'm like, yeah, but who 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 funded and supported your 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 lab? Obviously, it was yeah. And who wants to use it? Who do you want the money from? Oh, depressed people. Yeah, for sure. They should all definitely- Any work that's designed to help them should be paying me in particular. Fuck you. F- final, I hate that shit. F- final thought that there was a bit of outrage on, on Twitter about people. Um, when you load up an R package, um, you can actually put in a, a, a little message. Um, sometimes the message is, here is my open source book that better explains this package. Go read it. Um, but there was one package which was an ad- I think for a course, and there was a lot of outrage around this. Going, uh, if people are using open source packages to actually um, pr- promote themselves or promote their, their their products, this is a bad thing. And a, a lot of people were were outraged about this. But some people were like, well, no, these people are w- working in their own time. If they're if they want to be um, compensated for the work they're putting in, so they can actually continue doing these packages, I don't think it's a bad thing. So, f- final thoughts putting ads inside open source packages, James? Uh, that is a hard one. Um, there's going to be pragmatists on one side and people with very strong principles that they've had very good reasons to develop on the other side. They're going to yell at each other for 20 minutes and then go home. Um, development is expensive and and ads pay for presumably that means the ads themselves are, are open source. Uh, yeah, you can you can find you can find a way to, to uh, uh, change the text subtly and what Wendy's Burgers wants to sell you. You know, square patties from square cows. Um, yeah, you can I mean, fuck with all of that. Who cares? Um, Dan, that's a really hard. That's not a ninety second answer kind of problem. Yeah. I will say one. Th- I'll confine myself to one thing. In my experience, when you open a door like that, it changes what it changes what something means. When you say, "Okay, now we've got enough money to do the support," it is a very short step to. Oh, why don't we put a, an ad on the splash page as well? Because we want to hire a new engineer. 
Okay, well, okay, now we've got two. That's the thing. We don't want to have a fucking million. I'm like, well, what about if we root all the clicks out of this through something that shows you an intermediate ad like the Forbes website does? Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> we need a little bit more support. Now, this is you, everyone who's familiar with fallacies will recognize that as stepping dangerously close to the slippery slope argument. But it's no slippery slope into fascism or the zombie apocalypse. Um, we, we all seem to be managing that ourselves very well right now. <laughs> um, it's a very, that slope is very gentle and you will walk down it without knowing that you're descending. <sighs> that being said, I'm really glad that's not my decision because shit, it's just a not, not enough money in the pool. And sometimes you do things you don't want to, to be able to continue to live. Well, on that cheery note, we'll, we will wrap up. Thanks, thanks for listening. Um, a lot of people are chatting about the show on on the, uh, the Get Good Science a Discord server, which there, there's an, uh, everything hurts. Mm, there's an everything hurts. Still doing that? Yeah, there's an everything hurts channel, and uh, it's great. I should look at that. Check. I should look at that again. There's been a bit of chat. I wonder if someone's talked to me. They have. It seems you've, unlikely. You, but what? Yeah, you've been mentioned once or twice. Well, well mentioned, like as in he is a wanker. <laughs> Yeah, with life. Um, yeah, but, but uh, the good thing about this is you get an RSS. It's, it's it's connected to the RSS feed, so there's an automatic notification when new episodes come up, and um and people have been chatting about the recent stuff. So if you want to talk about the episodes, um, we'll post a link in the show notes to the Discord server. You can join up, and there's a few other discussions going on there. But uh, the Hertz channel is uh is, is happening, so you can check that out. But thanks for listening. Uh, and we'll be back again. Uh, next month for the next episode of Everything Hurts. See you later. Yeah, we will. Be good. Take care of yourself. Take care of someone else. <laughs>